Well, guys, we are on the front end of a new series that we started a couple weeks ago, and the title of this series is called Character. Um, and during this series on character, we're going to be mining the depths of who we are. We're going to be looking um, at our inner being and really digging deep and trying to shed God's light on parts of ourselves that have been hidden in darkness for a long time. And as I've mentioned uh, before, I know this may not be fun for us, but I truly believe that this is um, going to be one of the most important series we've done in a long time um, to do it as a church together. Because, guys, the truth is God wants to transform us into men and women of character. That's his desire. He wants that. Well, last week we took some time looking at the vision um, that God's word sets before us, the life that is actually available to us as followers of Jesus Christ. And hopefully you saw that vision and hopefully you caught that vision. Um, hopefully, you, you, last week, you walked away realizing that this vision is not a pipe dream. It's not some fake little fanciful you know, thinking. This is a reality. This is an actual reality, but it starts, guys, with having us be able to trust God for it. And during our homework this week, um, hopefully, you were able to spend some time with Jesus and work through some of the trust issues that you might have had with God and ask him why they're there, how has it impacted my life, my relationship with you, and hopefully you've worked through that and found some healing on that. Um, that was the purpose of our homework. Well, last week we saw the vision. This week we're going to start the process of digging, um, digging into the reality of who we are. And, and this is where we're going to kind of stray away from what normally might be done in these situations. Um, you see, I think... When it comes to true spiritual formation, there's a way to go about it and there's a way to not go about it. And the church, in my opinion, has found itself repeatedly making the same mistakes over and over, um, doing this in the wrong way. And the wrong way, guys, is to create behavior modification. And behavior modification, simply put, is this. It means to change the outward way we do things. That's all behavior modification does. It focuses on the external. Only the outside, just the behavior. And guys, in seeking a life of character, our focus can't just be on the external. When our focus is on the external, true spiritual formation is not going to happen. It just won't. Um, and that's just the reality. I think so often as, as Christians in Christianity, a church around the world, that's kind of what we've just done. We've just focused on our external. I remember growing up as a missionary kid, not that this was imposed upon me, but I just kind of took it on as the cultural baggage of you know, living where I did. And uh, I, I kind of learned that I needed to have my outside looking good. It was all about polishing the outside, looking, you know, having my external behaviors looking good. Because if you didn't, you weren't kind of, you were kind of looked down on. You were kind of shoved aside. You weren't, you know, in the group, if you will. And I remember I got to Bible school. And this kind of life of just always having my outside look good and realizing that my inside was a mess, is, it's, it's kind of exhausting. It kind of wears you out because you're just like, man, I began to think that maybe I'm the only guy in the world that struggles with all these things on the inside and thinking these thoughts in my mind. And, you know, I was just like, man, this is, this is kind of crazy. But I thought, there's got to be, this, there's got to be other guys who struggle with this. And so in my, my room, there was about eight of us in one room, we would weekly have these Bible studies together. And I thought one, one of these weeks, nights, I was going to open up to these guys and be real with them and just kind of share what was going on on the inside and be real with them because I thought these guys have to be struggling with the same thing and maybe as a group of guys, we're just going to open up and be real with each other. It's just going to be this awesome kumbaya moment and it'll be cool. 
Well, I opened up that night, and uh, I was like, guys, here's what I'm struggling with, and this is what I'm going through, and I don't know if you guys have this, but this is where I'm at, and it's just, um, just trying to figure this out. And you know what they said at the end of the time together? They were like, wow, Luke. Man, we'll be praying for you, bro. <laughs> we will be praying for you. And I was like, what I walked away from that experience was like, I am the only guy in the world that struggles with these things. And I kind of made a decision that I am never going to open up again. I'm just going to have my external looking good and vacant on the outside and let nobody see the inside. And guys, that's not just a modern problem. This has been going on for centuries. In fact, Jesus encountered it with the people of his day. Um, look at what Jesus tells some of the most religious, you know, People knowledgeable, Bible knowledgeable people of his day. Look what he says. He goes, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which you look beautiful on the outside. But on the inside, you're full of dead man's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous. But on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And you see, guys, that's our natural tendency on the outside, we want to appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, truth be told, we're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And that's all, all too often what we do. We focus on the external, and we try to change the external, and we only focus on outward actions, and we get those things looking good, and we try to fool people with it. We try to present a completely different picture of what reality is on the inside. And guys, we do this all the time, and many, many times we don't even realize we're doing it. Like, for instance, even the clothes we wear, a lot of times we try to dress to impress. We try to wear clothes to get other people to think a certain way about us. Like, I remember when I first became a senior pastor, I had somebody come into my office, and they said, hey, Luke, I'm gonna give you a little piece of advice. I would encourage you to dress up as a pastor. I mean, I, I'd wear, I would wear a, a really snappy suit and tie and wear that every single day because, here's why, because when people come into your office, what you want them to do is to look at you and go, wow, that guy is, he looks important. And you're gonna intimidate them. And he, instantly, you're gonna be up here and they're gonna be down here. And that really, that's gonna help you in your job as senior pastor. I'm not joking, I was told that. And I thought to myself, that's the stupidest piece of advice I've ever been given. Because that's the last thing I want somebody to do is to walk in my door and go, I'm intimidated. I, I want to be on their level. But that's what I was told. And we do that with, uh, with how we dress. Um, a lot of times we, we speak and we, we do things to make others think about, you know, think a, about ourselves in a certain way. We're, we're constantly manipulating other people's thoughts about us by what we do and say. We don't even realize it. And now, Guys, we have social media. We have Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and all the other little things that we have out there. And, and those things, we use those like crazy to present a certain way about us. Like for instance, um, on Facebook I saw this, there was like, I'm going out to my garden to grab some tomatoes. And I look at those, I'm like, sweet daddy, that is a beautiful, that person knows how to grow tomatoes. And I'm like, that, that's amazing. I mean, you know, my respect for him when went up here. Because there's no way I'm gonna show a picture of my tomatoes on Facebook. <laughs> this is what my plant looks like. 
guys, I got six tomatoes this year. And they all had holes in them. I'm like, this is ridiculous, but I'm not going to post this on Facebook because I don't want anybody to, to know that. Or, or how about this? On Facebook, there's, you know, people take pictures of their food. It's the craziest thing. But on Facebook, it's like, Thursday family dinner. Hashtag, great to be a family. Hashtag, so blessed. <laughs> and you look at that and you go, sweet daddy, who, who does that for Thursday dinner? That's amazing. And who's together as a family? I got one kid college, one kid working, one in sports, one playing video games. And he's like, what? I can't get together as a family, but this is, you know, this is what they're doing. It's just like beautiful little spices, wine on the side. It's gorgeous. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I get home from work and, you know, you think, oh, I got to mow the lawn today. And they're like, before I mow the lawn, I got to pick up the dog poop. So you go out there and quickly pick up the dog poop and you start mowing the lawn. And you realize you didn't get all the dog poop. And so then you have to wash your shoes off before you go in. You go in, the, you know, everybody's like, what's for dinner? What are we going to eat? And so you're looking all around, you're trying to find stuff and you realize I haven't shopped for two and a half weeks. There's nothing. And so this is what we have for dinner, but I'm not going to put a picture of that. Be honest, how many guys have had that for dinner? Thank you. I've never seen it on Facebook, by the way. It's actually pretty delicious. Or how about this? People will put this on, it's not a big Facebook thing, it's more of an Instagram thing, but they'll be like, spending time with the Lord. Five, hashtag 5 a.m., hashtag solitude with Jesus. And you, you look at that and you go, wow, that person is really godly. That person really knows Jesus. That person really has taken the time to be with Jesus. And you instantly are impressed. Because guys, I'll tell you, if you took a picture of me at 5 o'clock in the morning spending time with Jesus, this is what I'd look like. <laughs> but I'm not going to post that on Facebook. And guys, we use social media to present this way. And guys, I'm just going to say this. Selfies have gotten out of control. Selfies are crazy. Everybody's taking selfies. And what we don't realize or we don't think about is that we look at a self and we go, wow, yeah, they're, they're really attractive. They really look good. They always have it together. That's amazing. But what they don't realize is how long it took to take that selfie. Because the people I've seen take selfie, they're like, click. Uh, there's a gap in the tooth there. Delete. Go from this side then. Yep. Okay. Nope. The hair's out. Delete. Ah, uh, that looks forced, so you delete that one. And you're, you're taking all these things from high, don't show the double chin low, you're trying all these different angles, and finally you get one, but you're not done. Because there's apps where you can put filters on. And you, so you use these filters, you change the background, you look, you know, vintage, black and white, all this little dealy stuff, and by the time I'm done with my selfie and I post it on Facebook, this is what I look like. And I'm comfortable with that. I can put that on. See? A lot of similarity there. <laughs> Guys, we manipulate our outside to get people to think a certain way about us. Truth is, our inside's an absolute mess. Like Jesus said, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. On the outside, it looks like you got it all together. But on the inside, things are not pretty. You'd never want to take a picture of what's going on on the inside. And guys, when we focus on the outside, 
That's completely backwards. We must focus on the inside. You see, our goal is that Christ would be formed in us. Okay, in us. Our aim is not just to act differently, it's to be different in our inner being. Christ being formed in us is true transformation. Christ being formed in us is allowing the divine nature we talked about last week to take up residence within our life. And guys, let me just say this. This is not a passive process. And I know I may, I may catch grief for saying this. I usually always do. But the truth is we do not sit around on our rears expecting this to be done for us. We're expected to do something. Human effort is indispensable because spiritual formation does not come through passivity. But we have to understand this, guys. We have to get this, that Christ-likeness in our life is always a result of God's grace. God's power working in us to accomplish what we could never do on our own is an absolute must in this transformation. But here, you need to know this. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Yeah, we don't earn this, but there is effort involved. Another thing, grace does not rule out methods. In other words, there are some methods that we can incorporate into our efforts that are gonna assist us in this transformation, but by doing so, guys, that doesn't just mean that grace isn't part of the process. Of course it's part of the process. Without it, it would never happen. For it is by grace you have been what? Saved. Let's put it with our definitions. For it is by grace that you have been delivered from a life of sin. We need grace. But we also play a part in this transformation. Effort is involved. And now, let me also say this. I know I'm talking to a bunch of Americans here, so this will kind of sting. This won't make us happy. But this process takes time. We're used to the instantaneous. We want things now. We're used to that. It's our culture. They just invented an Instapot for cooking. I want to get one because it sounds amazing. But guys, when it comes to spiritual transformation, it takes time, okay? And it's gonna require this systemic approach. In other words, our entire being, we're gonna have to look at everything and allow this transformation to set into all of us, into our entire being, everything about us. And the reason why we have to deal with it systemically is because the problem is systemic. We're gonna see that. And my, today, my hope is that we can take some time to look at ourselves Complete. We're just going to be a flyover. We're going to be doing this quickly, but we need to see our entire makeup of what a human being is. We need to see all the parts of us that make up who we are, how God made us. And in doing so, we're going to see how ruined we are. I've actually named the title of this sermon, Seeing the State of Our Ruin. And I guess why this is so necessary um, is because this is what God did for me on the mountain. He just kind of step by step took me through all the parts of who I am and showed me how messed up I was. And it wasn't, it wasn't fun, but it was necessary. And God's always so gentle in this process. And guys, before we get into this whole process, I want to clearly and ever so emphatically say that no matter how ruined you might be, no matter how messed up you might be, I want you to hear this, that does not make you worthless. 
I'm going to say it again because you have to hear this because there are some people in this room who have been told over and over and over their entire lives that they are worthless. So I want you to hear me. No matter how ruined or messed up you are, it does not make you worthless. I know there's a statement that has traveled around Christianity for decades, and it sounds good, it sounds biblical, it sounds right, but it's the opposite of truth. It goes like this. I'm just a worthless sinner saved by grace. Some of us have grown up being told that. We've heard that. Many of us have said it. And it sounds good, but it's not. Here's the problem. I I would have no problem with that statement if the word worthless was taken out of it. Because listen to me, Weistone, we are not worthless. No human being is worthless. We may be lost, but we're not worthless. We may have lost our way and we're stumbling around in darkness in an utter state of ruin, but we've not lost our worth. A, a, A good analogy of this, maybe this will make sense to you, um, but let's say, I heard yesterday that the, the Powerball was at a billion dollars, maybe even more than that, but a billion dollars. Let's say that you went out and you bought a lottery ticket and miraculously you won. You, you are the owner of a billion dollars, okay? And you set that lottery ticket down and the next thing you know, you lose it. You can't find that stinking ticket. Now let me ask you a question. Is that ticket worthless? No, it still has all it's worth. It's just lost. It's just lost. Do you see my point? Guys, if we were worthless, then God was being foolish in sending his son to earth to rescue us, in sending his son to redeem us with his own blood. Why would he ever do that if we were worthless? He wouldn't. But as God's creations, we carry great worth to God. The human being, listen to me, the human being is a magnificent creation of God. Truly magnificent. If you even just take the time to think about it, it's almost too staggering for your brain to comprehend. It's, it's kind of funny, but as human beings, we, we will look at creations of mankind and we'll marvel at that. Like we'll look at the Hoover Dam and go, Wow, that thing's incredible. Nine, 93.3 billion cubic meters of cement to build this thing. And we look back and we're like, wow, that's, that's an amazing thing. Or like the Great Wall of China. 4,000 miles long this sucker is. 4,000 miles. That's from L.A. to New York and back. It's the largest human structure ever built. And we marvel at that. And we go, wow, that's amazing. Or we look at the, the pyramids of, of Giza. And, and, you know, guys, these, there's... I guess something like 23 million blocks on those things, and they're 2.5 tons up to 15 tons big. And we go, wow, that's awesome, that's incredible. And we marvel at that. We look at the Colosseum, and we marvel at the incredibility of that. We're like, wow, that's amazing. But very, very rarely do we sit back and marvel at the creation of mankind. But I'll tell you, those things, they pale. They pale in comparison to God's creation of a human being. Not sure if you knew this or not, but old Christian writers used to say that God hid the majesty of a human soul from us to prevent us from being ruined by pride. 
I mean, the human being is a magnificent creation of God, and guys, that means every human being. It doesn't matter how messed up you are or how high you are. That means the hurting souls in the cities of Milwaukee and Chicago who live on the streets, they are magnificent human beings, creations of God. Not to be discarded, but to be loved and cherished. But guys, our sheer magnificence is what makes our ruin so horrifying. I mean, if we were just insignificant, then our ruin wouldn't be that big a deal, but it's not. This explains why in our ruined condition, a human being is regarded by God as infinitely worth saving. That's why God, while we were yet sinners, sent his son to die for us. Sin doesn't make a person worthless, only lost. We need to understand that. So you need to burn this into your thinking. You are not worthless, okay? Now let's quickly take some time to look at the parts of ourselves that God created. And guys, I said this is gonna be a quick flyover. We're gonna just buzz right over, just quickly talk about things because we're gonna kind of dissect them later in the weeks to come. First thing I want us to look at is our mind. God has given us a mind. And, and I wanna look at a couple sections of the mind. And first I wanna talk about thoughts. Thoughts um, are these amazing things that God has given us the ability to do. They're images and concepts and judgments and conclusions and all that stuff. But God has created human beings with the amazing ability to think, to have thoughts. Now, I know we take this for granted. We just never think about this. But thoughts bring ideas into our mind in all sorts of ways and allows us to ponder them and kind of trace them out how everything relates to together. Like, for instance, let me just do this for you. Uh, I'm going to mention three names to you this morning, and I want you to think how these three names are connected, okay? So I'm just going to do it. Uh, Christopher Columbus, Cortez, and Lewis and Clark. What's their commonality? Now, how in the world did you do that so fast? Because you have the ability to think. God gave you a mind and thoughts. You have the ability to think. It's absolutely amazing what God has done. Now, thoughts allow us to extend beyond our immediate boundaries that our five senses don't allow us to do. Like, if I were to ask you guys, hey, I want you to reach out and touch the Amazon jungle. Can you guys do that? No, we're stuck here in Conemaugh, Wisconsin. We can't do that. But if I were to say, with your mind, I want you to think... And imagine being in the Amazon jungle. Imagine the vines hanging down and the parrots flying over and the monkeys in the trees and the humidity. Imagine that. You know what? You can go there. Your thoughts allow you to go there. You can even go into the past. Like I want you to picture yourself, imagine yourself on that boat with George Washington when they're crossing the Delaware River. You can go there. You can go in the past. You're not bound to this present location you're in. Your brain, your mind is able to go there. It's pretty amazing how God has allowed us to do that. By our thoughts, we have scientific reasoning. We're able to think things through and come to logical conclusions. Through thoughts, we receive divine revelation. Um, when God speaks, it's usually through divine thoughts. In fact, guys, you know, this is kind of a weird sentence, but... When I think about the ability to think, it blows my mind. <laughs> it's such an awesome gift that God has given us, but we take it for granted. And we're going to find out that our amazing ability to think is in a state of ruin. The kingdom of darkness has done some amazing damage to our thought life. 
And it's a part of us that needs transformation. And we're going to address that in the future. Let's look at a second part of the mind, and that is feelings. And these are um, sensations or emotions. And they're very much tied together with thoughts. But here's the thing. Feelings will either move us toward something or they'll move us away from something. Um, here's an analogy. Let's say that um, there's this chocolate cake just coming out of the oven, and it's oozing with chocolate goodness. And you guys are smelling it, and it's amazing. What does that do for you chocolate lovers? What does it make you want to do? Yeah, you want to eat it. It makes you, it draws you toward it, okay? Um, thoughts produce feelings, and feelings either draw you toward something or away from something. But as I said, it, it other, works the other way around, too. Thoughts can produce feelings that repel us from something. We want nothing to do with it. Like, for instance, imagine you're going to a Green Bay game, Okay? And you're up at the stadium, Lambeau Field, and you have to go to the bathroom. And so you go to a porta potty outside the stadium, and you walk in there, and you look, you know, those porta potties, they're nasty. And you take, you take your hand, you rub it on the toilet seat, wipe it off, and you lick your hand. <laughs> I know that's gross, but what did you guys all do? Ah! Because you thought about it, it produced this repulsion from something, okay? Sorry. I should have probably swapped and done the chocolate later because now you guys are ruined for the rest of the sermon. <laughs> but notice the relationship between thoughts and feelings. Thoughts produce feelings. They always go together. In fact, they were never found apart. Okay? They're interdependent, you would say. They, you will never have a feeling without a thought. You'll never have a thought without a feeling. Okay? Now, the current condition of the human mind is what characterizes our world apart from God. I mean, we're going to see that our thoughts and feelings are completely manipulated by the world and by our enemy, and that needs to change for transformation to happen. Okay? Let's look at another dimension of the human being, and that is our spirit. Okay? Um, now, spirit, when I say, actually, I'm the heart. When I say the heart, it's, I'm talking about our spirit, I'm talking about our will, um, choice, decision, it reflects our character. Our heart's going to really show what our character's like. And we're going to cover this more in depth later, but basically what I want you to see is the exercise of the spirit, the part of us that is our spirit, is to choose something, okay? It's, a make, it's to make a decision to do something, to originate something that might not happen otherwise, okay? Like if I walked down the stage and I gave one of you guys a hug, I would be originating that. It would be my choice, and that choice originated from my spirit. Now, the freedom of choice is the power to do what is evil as well as what is good. Do you see that? When we say yes or no to a certain situation, we will produce an action. And this action is our unique contribution to reality. It's our action. And guys, the reality is, we're going throughout our day doing this over and over and over again. We're making decisions and we're acting. We're originating things, whether good or evil. And that comes from our spirit. And guys, above all, it's the spirit within us that needs to be reached. There has to be a regeneration that happens, and we'll talk about that in, in the future, because life must be organized around the heart, not around feelings, okay? It's the center of who we are. All right, let's quickly look at the next dimension, our body, okay? Now, the body is also known as our flesh. It's 
Um, it's how our actions encounter the physical world. It's the house that our spirit lives in. We all have bodies. I want you to reach out and touch it. That's your body, okay? Um, and that body is where your spirit lives in. It's like the tent. It's an avatar, whatever, if you want to do little computer people, okay? And the body is your personal presence in the world. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever thought about this before, but nobody can take your space in the universe while you're alive. Isn't that crazy? You have your own personal space in the universe. I have a little bit more than most of you, and that's what makes me unique, you know? But that, that's a pretty cool thing to think about, that we have our own personal space. Um, another cool way to look at your body is that it's your own personal power pack, okay? It's the power pack by which your spirit gets to act out. And as we can see in this world, and even sometimes in our own life, it's the place in this world where we can stand in defiance against God for the time being, okay? We live from our bodies. Now, as I said, we're gonna talk about this in depth later, but listen to this. Our choices, see if you can grasp this, our choices, as they settle into our character, they're then outsourced through our body to the world we live in. And the crazy thing is, is most of our choices, when they occur, they pretty much happen automatically without our having to think about it. And guys, generally that's a good thing. Like for instance, what am I doing right now? Am I having to think about it? No, my body has learned to walk, and so when I need to go somewhere, I will walk, and I don't think about it. I'm like right, left, right, left. I don't think about that. Talking, we've learned to talk. Um, flipping pancakes, when we learn how to do it, we get that we don't even think about it. Driving, have you, have you ever had this when you're driving, and all of a sudden you're like, Where'd the last 15 minutes go? I don't even remember doing it. Your body kicked in and it did it automatically without even thinking. It's a pretty incredible thing how the Bobby, the Bobby, the body does that. Now, remember how hard it was to first do those things? How many of you guys have ever had the privilege of training your kid how to drive? It's the most terrifying experience ever. But one thing that I learned in doing that, as I was like, all right, honey, Give it more gas. All right, break, break, break. All right, see the sign coming up? It's, we're going to have to stop. Look at the lights. There's a car in front of you. There's a car behind you. Look to the right. Don't go too far. Stay in the center of the lane. And it made me realize how much is going on when we drive. It's crazy, and we don't even think about it. We're just, our body goes on autopilot and does it. That's pretty amazing. Now, this is a very amazing, glorious thing about the body, but hear me on this. It's what makes spiritual formation so difficult. Here's why. Living in this world, we have been conditioned and trained by a world that's bent towards evil. So very often, our body has learned to act before we even think about it. And usually, it acts in an evil manner. Like for instance, let's say that you're cruising down the road in your car, and you are going the speed limit. And somebody races up behind you, and they're you know riding your tail, and they're kind of riding your tail, and you see them, and they honk the horn, and you're going, I'm going the speed limit here, and they flip you off. What is your natural reaction? <laughs> Returns to the... What don't you do? You don't go, huh, he's riding close to me. Um, he must be upset. What should I do in this situation? You don't think you instantly will react. 
And typically it's tap on the brakes, like, all right, buddy, ram into me. You can pay my insurance. And we get all mad. Sometimes we'll flip them off back, and then it turns into this big thing. And it all happens without thinking. The problem is with that is that the habits have sinned, have been ingrained into our body. And the actions are just there. We don't even think about it. Like Paul says in Romans, it's not me, but the sin that dwells in me. Okay? Now, the cool thing, actually the most awesome thing, is that the body can be trained, okay? It has the amazing capacity to be reformed to really become our ally in Christ-like living. We're gonna talk about that in the future. And spiritual formation in many ways is a bodily process, okay? It can't succeed unless it's transformed. Let's talk about the last dimension. It's completely different than the rest, but it's so very important. Social context. And what I mean by this is this is our personal and structural relations with other people, okay? So like parents and grandparents and brothers and sisters, all that stuff. Not sure if you knew this or not, but God created us for community. In fact, God told Adam something, or he said something about Adam. He says, it's not good that man be what? Alone. We, we can exist alone. We're created to have connection with others. It requires it. We can't exist without it. We need others in our life. Now, obviously, the most important other in our life is who? Is God, okay? He's the most important other because um, you erase God's existence, you erase man's existence. That's the way it goes. But we're all connected to God, and our connection to each other has to include God. We're going to see that they both have to happen simultaneously. In fact, 1 John says anyone who says they love God but hate their brother is a what? It's a liar. Yeah, it can't happen. When it comes to our social conscience, it needs to be transformed. And guys, we will know it's transformed when what happens? Look at that wall. When we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love our what? Neighbor as ourself. Now, our neighbor is not the person who lives next to us. Our neighbor is everyone we encounter. It's the guy who's riding your tail. Okay? Love our neighbor as ourself. Our relations to each other are huge for the formation of our spirit, for better or for worse. Like, for instance, a baby, when it's born, it has to bond with its mother or someone else. If it doesn't, it's scarred for life. It may even die. Babies need that. Rejection destroys. And anybody here who has experienced rejection knows exactly what I'm talking about. And as a pastor who meets and cares for people, I see this all the time. Guys, our social context to each other plays a huge part of the formation of our spirit, for better or for worse. And usually in this fallen world, guys, it's usually for worse. And that's the part of us that needs transformation, okay? Now, hopefully, as, we, as we've looked at all this, hopefully you've seen how amazing the human being is, how the creation of a human being is absolutely amazing what God did. I hope you see that. But I also hope you're taking a look at these dimensions and then looking at yourself and, and seeing how ruined you might be. When you're looking at yourself and saying, man, I'm pretty messed up in each one of these dimensions. Every one of these dimensions needs transformation. And if that's how you feel this morning, trust me, I know the feeling. But that's why we're doing this together. 
to allow God to transform who we are so that we can start to live out the divine nature and escape the corruption of this world. We want to live out that vision that's set before us in 2 Peter. That's our goal. And that's where God's grace is going to get us. Amen? Here's our homework. Number one, get a journal. I know most of you didn't get a journal last week, so that's why I'm putting it up there. Get a journal. Go out and buy. They're like three bucks. Then go through every dimension we talked about and take a look at the state of it. Okay? Be honest with yourself. Go with your, take a look at your thoughts. How ruined are they? Take a look at your feelings. How ruined are they? Take a look at your, your spirit, your body, your social context, and, and take a look at how, you know, be, be honest with God. Don't try to fake it, but see how messed up they are. Because, guys, we need to see the state of our ruin before we start to see transformation, you know, as we start this transformation process. It's the first step. We've got to see how messed up we are and then go the other direction. Okay? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you created mankind. We are amazing creations, but God's sad to say we have been ruined. We have experienced the darkness that our enemy has waged against us. And many of us are broken souls. And God, we need transformation. We need this divine nature to flow through us. So Holy Spirit, we place that into your hands. We pray that your grace would do a mighty work in us as we work along with you. And may we become a church that flows the divine nature through every single one of us. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.